0: The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit
1: sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian, and I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way.
0: You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars episode 109.
1: Hello there.
2: It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me,
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing.
3: Remember... The Force will be with you, always.
0: Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, aka Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just a quick reminder to please share the podcast on Twitter or Facebook and leave us a review, definitely, because that uh, can uh, let us know how we're doing, first and foremost, and we always want to hear what you guys are thinking about, about the show, but also it gets us seen by more people because it kind of juices some of those algorithms and allows people to, to find the show easier. So please, uh, if you have time, uh, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And so today we are discussing chapter five of the book of Boba Fett titled The Return of the Mandalorian. So not not at all a, a big episode or anything. And so joining me tonight <laughs> on the panel is, first of all, we have old Ben himself,
3: Mike Creevy. I wanted to say, uh, why do I feel like you're going to be the death of me? <laughs> There's an episode two line for you. <laughs> well, glad to be here.
0: Uh, second this evening is the Bendu, the Balance. Angela Sealana.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Here I am. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's do this.
0: <laughs> and third, and finally, we have Mudhorn
2: Andrew Hermes. Good to be here. Should be just uh, another filler episode that we're going to discuss. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. Special. Know.
0: nothing big but it was pointed out to me and this is kind of just sort of comical that you know um this is the first time that I've been able to be on the show since we've been start starting to talk about yeah. Boba Fett. Um, you know, so it's just been kind of a crazy month for me. So, you know, on the first episode that I am able to, to be the host for the book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett doesn't appear in the sh- episode at all.
3: So, like you know, a tad bit ironic. <laughs> right.
0: So, but before we get into all of that, uh, Mike,
3: you had a couple of fun uh, ham solo moments this week,
1: didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> the, well, the more the more uh, well, the s- standard one, I guess, was when I was getting lunch meat again, had, which for some reason hadn't happened in a while. I got it prepared this time for for uh, uh Paz Vizla, which was cool. And I did look it up right before I entered it because I thought it was spelled differently than it ended up being. So so I have that one here appropriate Wait, for this it episode. It's a v i z s l a.
1: Oh, that yeah, ZS okay. kind of threw me oh, off a yeah. little bit, so yes. yeah.
3: Um, and then that same day, went out for a coffee and uh, just on a whim put it in for Ben, which is a little, you know, it's not like having, you know, someone <laughs> there actually say um, coffee for the Pike Syndicate. Which <laughs> I, I regret that I wasn't that courageous, but maybe next time we'll see.
1: Just <laughs> make you, sure there are no law enforcement officers. In yeah, that's <laughs> a little tricky.
3: Yeah, that one's a little dangerous. <laughs>
0: Cool. Um, So let's jump into the episode then. And uh, there's there's definitely a lot to talk about. So first of all, of course, what did you guys think of this episode?
1: I'll keep my remarks short. I, um, I tweeted that I could not human. I was so shook (laughs) afterwards. I just kind of sat on the couch and just stared and said, wow. Oh my gosh. And my husband was like, I don't understand. Why are you so freaked out? (laughs) So uh, it probably took me a good mm, 15 minutes solid to where I could like actually formulate sentences enough to sort of explain why I was (laughs) geeking out. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um.
2: I agree it was great. And what what was impressive <laughs> about the episode was you know I, I think we were all expecting um you know Dent to show up at some point because you know even during the while they're during produ- production of the this season of Book of Boba Fett um it was referred to a lot as like Mandalorian season 2.5 um mm-hmm. and um it it would have been I think surprising not to to be the to be so long without Mando waiting for season three, I think, I think we were all expecting him to show up at some point. And then obviously the teaser in episode four uh, left little room for interpretation um, that we were getting him. And in very uh, Star Wars, you know, Favreau, Filoni fashion, uh, we see him right away. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, Like the soak episode, you know, they didn't waste any time. The reveal was, was pretty instant and, uh, and pretty dramatic. Um, we meet him in a meat locker and he's just (laughs) slicing dudes up with the dark saber, (laughs) Uh, having a lot of trouble along the way. Obviously I know we'll get into that, but what impressed me obviously, um, is all the connections to, uh, the obvious connections to episode one, uh, the, the prequels, and how no one could have possibly predicted this sort of thing, like we didn't know what to expect i i i'm I'm surprised on how they continue to surprise us with uh how uh impressive and how clever they use you know past star wars lore and tie it into this this character that that has no backstory um and uh you know since it was a 100% Mando episode, we could treat this as, literally as, you know, Mando season 2.5. Um, and, and obviously the, there is a tie in. There is a reason why we're here. So it's, it didn't feel cheap, but it was nice to be with, uh, I didn't realize how much we missed Din until we <laughs> got to right. spend another hour with him. Um, and, uh, and was surprised with the, uh, um, you know, the, the big Grogu tease too, that in no one we mm-hmm. would even get a mention or a hint at maybe when we might see him again. So, um, yeah, a lot of great surprises and just, you know, nostalgia overload with the the episode one, uh, tie-ins and, um, yeah, just, just phenomenal hour of television and, and my favorite episode of the season. I know it's not, maybe not fair to, to <laughs> Boba Fett's Boba Fett as a character, but um, that's, that's just, you know, how much we're invested in, in this one. So, uh, so yeah, it was,
3: it blew my expectations away for sure. Yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I just echo what, what you guys have been saying. Um, I would just, you know, kind of throw in there that my, the phrase that came to my mind, a little like slogan almost for this, cause everyone keeps talking about all the connections it makes. I think if this episode is a lore hub was what I kept calling it's kind of like this mm-hmm. this uh like the uh the Moss Eisley cantina of Star wars lore itself in in the this, this show as far as just um so many again like you know connections to um to the movies to the even um there was at least one connection to the uh sequel trilogy which we'll we'll get to later if, if I'm sure you guys probably caught it of course but um just a passing reference at least but you know it really mm-hmm. connected pretty much everything you know mm-hmm. from um uh, movies to the animated series but especially like we said before too you know this it's such a very interesting time for this like prequel nostalgia and, and to have it done so well where you know like we've all got our <laughs> moments or there's there's cringeworthy cringeworthy moments in the in the prequels of course Yeah, there's a couple of cringeworthy moments in the original trilogy Mm -hmm. dare i say sure i I love them i love them (laughs) dude? oh my gosh but it's you know when you go back and you watch it as a purist you know and you're like okay that was that's a little lame but i love it you know Mm -hmm. but um but this was just yeah so wonderful for all of that um for those who sometimes i think Throw out the phrase "fan service" as like an insult, which I, I'm like, no. The more of it, the merrier. For you know, like, I'm
1: like, a fan. I like please. being served. <laughs> I, like,
3: I like that. You know, it's, absolutely. It's, why do you? I'm watch. I love this this franchise. So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. And um, I, personally, I'm excited for where we're gonna go here tonight. Hopefully, with some theories, I want to see your guys' thoughts or uh, just think about this. Like, where is this headed in a couple different ways? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how we'll get through it all. But but for me, I just want to throw out that I. I'm really, I I just, I think it's all about the Darksaber now. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, like, for as much as Din, you know, become, like, really front and center in this episode, I feel like, yes, indeed, but that is not just, I mean, that's a character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is kind of how I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm excited for, for what its role, the way they have sort of expanded its story and that this is the book of Boba Fett. And so that's going to get into some of it later. I'm excited to talk about. So I'm surprised that none of you used the the phrase. Um,
0: so I'm going to use it for <laughs> impressions of this episode. It's so wizard. Yes. Yeah. We were waiting. <laughs> so since you guys didn't take it, uh, I will take it. And, it and, and, I, and I mean mm-hmm. that in, in you know, the the best possible way, even when, when Din said it in the episode, it felt <laughs> awkward but it also felt right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, so, so my, my, my thoughts on this, this episode are, I just, I could, I could echo everything that you guys are saying. I, I am one of those who really bonded with Star Wars with the original or with this, the prequel trilogy. So I have very fond memories of, you know, the, the pod racer scene and, and the, the Naboo starfighter and, and all of those. So, Um, yeah, Angela, I'm very happy to be serviced as a fan in that, in that sense. (laughs) But I do, I do, I do like it when it, when it fits, you know, I I don't want it to be shoehorned Mm -hmm. in by any means, but when it fits and it subverted expectations like that, that was not where I expected, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the back half of this episode to go. Um, in fact, this isn't how I expected the first half of the episode to go either. no. Which I, I really appreciate in, in storytelling because we all sort of most every kind of story out there has already been told and we already kind of know the know the, the, the gist of of, you know, kind of the generic story. So when they can subvert expectations, I think that that is a very awesome way to 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 bring excitement, to bring, you know, new things to the to the story, to to keep us entertained you know, since this is entertainment, but, but also to, yeah, highlight even, even deeper themes that were going on. So, uh, yeah, this, this episode was, was really, really fantastic. Uh, I also feel that since I haven't been on the, the first four episodes that you guys were on, I did want to share a little bit of my kind of feelings with the book of Boba Fett. And, um, and I, and I feel like I, I feel somewhat defensive, uh, when I talk about this because I, I've appreciated the where, where they've gone with with Boba Fett. It's, again, one of those things that I didn't expect them to go this way at all, mm-hmm. um, you know, from from his his time with the Tusken Raiders and even kind of becoming a honorable crime lord, uh, if you will you know that that's that's so contrary to you know where his character went in legends and and kind of what what everyone kind of has this idea of on on who boba fett is but for me it's been fun to kind of just follow along in that story and see where he, where he's going and you know let the character uh develop in a way that's that's fitting for this story and and so i i kind of feel like i have to be defensive because there's a lot of people out there i know that are that are very um not not so much of a fan of of where where Boba Fett's going in these in these episodes because they have a certain expectation of who he is and this isn't fitting that Mm. and you know I I would encourage all the listeners to to you know let 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 Boba Fett you know let give give him a chance give the give this whole thing a chance um because I'm always surprised and blown away by what Favreau and, and, uh, Dave Filoni are doing. So,
3: um,
1: so live and let fat live and let fat. Yes. <laughs>
3: um, I- and I figure if, if we come back to that theme closer to the end, maybe or whatever, just as we wrap up, I'm sure that, you know, cause there's, I think there's some, there's some really exciting potential for that specific, you know, arc, mm-hmm. you know, um, because None of this is by mistake, <laughs> you know. That's what's happening here, right?
0: Yeah, um, I, I did want to mention I don't know if this is where you were going or not, and, and we can save it for, for the later part of the discussion too. But are any of you expecting Maul to show
3: up?
1: Uh, I wasn't, not particularly, you know, no, because no, I think he's,
3: I think he's, isn't he? He's canonically dead at this point. I think. Do we know that? He, he was,
0: he was, he was the leader of Crimson this is... Dawn in, in Solo. Uh, yeah, different a different crime syndicate. Yeah. Right.
3: But Obi-Wan...
0: Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, nope, Yeah, yeah. Nope. you guys are right. Thank you for clarifying that. I kept thinking, like, maybe Unless we'll see... Unless he
1: him. is born again. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I forgot
3: the no. battle between um, Ben Kenobi and him in, in Rebels. Yeah. And the armorer does that. Like, her helmet... The only other Mandalorians, to my knowledge, that have had horns on their helmet were the ones... You know, they sometimes call them Maldalorians. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. ones, you know, that were were loyal to him when he was Mandalore. So I I, I am thinking that her somehow mm-hmm. this like this this next generation Death Watch thing, like I I, mm-hmm. I think there's more to her that we're gonna see too. You know? So maybe I'll rephrase maybe we'll see
0: Kira. Or the mm-hmm. Crimson oh, yeah. Crimson yes. Dawn. I mean I, yeah, I keep expecting
3: I, Crimson Dawn to show up in be. some form. I've been expecting mm-hmm. Kira maybe, yeah, yeah. for sure. So okay, maybe that's. what I know I need they to... they they supposedly took it on the chin with with Solo's numbers and stuff, but like it's you know, it's got its place, and I enjoy it, and I think and it fits into this so well. I, I think mm-hmm. that that it's good for the lore overall to do that. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: there's the 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 hashtag uh, make Solo two happen on yeah. Twitter, and I and I think yeah. I think instead of a movie, I think the fan base is yeah expecting it to turn into a, a Disney Plus series or. Mm-hmm. Cause there is a Lando series coming too, it'll be referenced. So. Right, right. Yeah. There there's, yeah. there's definitely the, the, I think there's the desire for it. Um, I would, I would be all on board for that kind of a show too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to, to get back to Boba Fett and, and, uh, this chapter, uh, without getting too far into, to theories, um, you know, so this, this, yeah, this whole episode was essentially a, a Mandalorian episode. You know, it's uh, Andrew, I think <laughs> you, you made that pretty, pretty clear Mandalorian season 2.5. <laughs> it, it surprised me that Boba Fett wasn't in it at all. And yeah. uh, it makes sense because Din is coming in and merging into the story of Boba Fett. So we kind of need to know where he's been at. And so this episode definitely kind of lays out where he's been at and 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 some points out some interesting things. So he starts out um, on this very interesting uh, ring world. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's got a name, I guess it's called Glavis or Glavis. I'm not entirely sure, at least according to Wikipedia and, um, and he's going there and he, uh, the whole thing starts off with, yeah, he's in this butcher shop collecting a bounty from, um, on a, on a and the, the, the poor guy, uh, decided that he didn't want to be taken alive. So, uh, he, we have that, that fight scene and, and I think it was in cold the slaughtering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: always one of the things i keep wanting to like look at at din as like you know this (laughs) hero and like the you know and yet he's he's not exactly the the moral upright hero that that maybe you know luke skywalker is or something but you know he's kind of the (laughs) when i when when you see him kind of slaughter these these
3: klatooinians it's it kind of made me cringe just a little bit but he's i was laughing because it's like you know I accidentally drilled my, my thumb on accident one time working on, like, like mounting a, a doorknob and messing up with the tool I was using, and I got so mad, and I threw something or said something I shouldn't have said, but B slices a dude in half when he hurts yeah. himself with the tool. You know it's like, okay, look, tougher life, fair enough. You know? like, I wasn't expecting that, though. That was that
0: was no. pretty bold.
3: Yeah.
0: I was I was initially expecting that to be on on uh, on Tatooine because aren't aren't one third of the the mm-hmm. the, the factions in Mos Espa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I initially thought uh, Tatooine, and then you know you come to realize that it's that it's not, and um and and the the dark saber does play a role there too. That that uh, uh-huh. Mando or Din is not. Entirely adept at using using the Darksaber. Um, just a, a couple points about uh, the Ring World. Uh it could be a reference to there's a there's a t here is a nineteen seventy science fiction novel called Ring World by Larry Larry Niven. Um I have not read that, but I but that's kind of the general consensus that, that could be a, a reference to that. There's also
3: the the more immediate reference to the Halo. Uh, Xbox mm-hmm, yeah. universe
2: mm-hmm.
3: ring world kind of thing. It even had a little bit of like you know an interstellar you know at the end when they're on that colony thing mm-hmm. and it's not I don't think it's a ring but like it's neat to play with your mind with the gravitational mm-hmm. concept yeah. right because it would you know in theory you can kind of be like well you know like I was telling I was explaining to my my sister and I were watching it and she's she's much younger than me but what I was I was telling her I was like when you think about it it's kind of like the The inverse of like how Earth works, just on a much smaller scale, right? Like you know, if you just walk far enough, you know, you disappear over the curve, right? It was like, it's just imagine it's like that's so cool to see that though. Well, and it's and at
0: least physically in a physics realm, it would make sense too that if it was spinning, you'd have that you know the centripetal acceleration and and I mean it would it would mimic gravity,
3: I guess theoretically. (laughs) We've never built one of these things, but. It looks so weird, but like you know yeah, I don't think you'd ever get used to it <laughs> yeah um
0: but it was i mean it, it it fits in the star wars universe, you know like they, they have yeah. the death star or i mean all these other huge uh uh space stations and and such it it totally fit um it was it was really cool to see because I've always enjoyed that kind of a uh space station because i'm a I'm a halo fan myself mm-hmm. um so maybe we'll get more of that going into the future because there's that's the first time it's showed up at all in Star Wars um, and we have uh Din taking the the bounty back to the whoever his client was and I just wanted to point out that there's the the, the elevator scene at this point which was <laughs> phenomenal yes Um, and Mike I wondered if that was your connection to the sequel trilogy
1: No, no, I didn't even think of
3: that. So, mine's uh, mine's something Pelly mentions
0: later. Okay, (laughs) okay, we'll get to it. But the the alien species that is the awkward one in the elevator with Din is also an alien species
3: that is seen on Canto Bite. Canto Bite? Oh, yeah, that that does ring a bell now. That was, uh, I just love that 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 character is like, that's us in this episode, (laughs) right? Like, just like, (laughs) yeah, nope, nothing. I'm just. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was wondering if he has special head bags because how does it not like how is it like not dripping or gushing or not to be weird? But, well, uh, maybe cauterized. Like, uh, yeah, that, since, since it was a dark saber, yeah, <laughs> I would I would it sort maybe. of
0: assume cauterization. But or he just found a bag in the the butcher shop and just used it. Yeah, yeah special. They're, they're
1: special Especially butcher made. bags. Yeah, yeah. Movie. you know there's part of that guy
3: that's that guy's still he's totally like please be cabbage please be cabbage like, there's just something in him <laughs> yeah. that's still like hoping but it's
0: not <laughs> um and props to to chris uh bartlett who does the he, he he's the the actor who did the who did that character oh, was um, that him? and he's okay. he's also um the teacher droid in mandalorian season two and he's i'm blanking on the is it zero or is it I I'm forgetting the, the the droid. Um,
3: I think he did. Didn't he do the body work for zero? I think I think he did the voice, but, but not, of, the, zero. not the voice. The voice was some was a comedian. I forget his name okay. it was Some English comedian, I think. But so, yeah, I'd have to maybe look that up. But either way, he's he's been he's been doing a lot of work
0: for for these shows. And so he was he was the the actor who, cool. who did that. Um, we encounter the, the, the client that he's working for. And what I, I did appreciate about this whole scene was it's, it's basically, um, the motivation behind why Din is bounty hunting again, because I, I sort of initially assumed like, okay, he's just kind of, he's gone back to, to, to his old, his old life. And this is his old life. But, but really what he's doing is he's trying to get information about where, where his, his, um, his covert is, mm-hmm. and he's not interested in getting another bounty, you know, cause he's even offered another bounty there, but rather he's, he's really just concerned about getting information on trying to get back to, back to his covert. Um, and he, he is able to, to find the, the, the covert through the information that, that, uh, he gets from, from the client and this is what takes up quite a bit of the first kind of half of the episode, which was, which was really fascinating because he's able to find the armor and Paz Vizla. Uh, I, What did you guys think about this? Did you think uh, they both survived the events of, of season one?
1: I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. Um, but I was very happy to see it. And... Um... Yeah, well, I as far as the armor, we, d- we had seen her before she was alive, or she seemed to be kind of, she was alive and she was fighting mm-hmm. um, in the tunnels or the covert where they were before um, on Navarro. So um, she seemed to be able to handle herself well um, against, you know, big stormtroopers or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a total surprise, but it was definitely welcome. And obviously, with Paz Vizsla being a Vizla, that made things a little more interesting. With, mm-hmm. Now that the dark saber mm-hmm. was in the mix,
0: yeah, which is which is clearly exactly where where they went with this, and this is this is where we get some um Some more insight into the to the lore and the the history of the dark saber, even though uh we we mostly already kind of knew this but but it was interesting because didn't shows up um and he's uh he gets some some back to spray on his on his wound on his leg and he is able to show the dark saber to the armorer who who knows uh actually quite a bit about about the history. And we get kind of her perspective on what happened. And so this was this is really interesting because she she knows, you know, that the Darksaber, if it's won by creed in battle, it can um, have the person who wields it be the leader of all Mandalore. And uh, but she makes the point that if it's not won by combat and it falls into the hands of the undeserving, uh, she says that it will be a curse unto the nation. And that Mandalore will be laid waste and its people scattered to the four winds. And so that was interesting because that's basically her take on what happened with Bo-Katan, who right. we know in Rebels that she got the Darksaber, but she was gifted it by Sabine rather than uh, winning it in combat. And then we're sort of starting to piece together what happened is that, you know, uh, she she loses the the leadership of Mandalore, and we have the the Great Purge and and the Night of a Thousand Tears, and the Mandalorians are indeed scattered to the four winds, and that's kind of her take on on uh, what happened with with Bo Katan.
1: And I think we were all kind of assuming that the clan or the covert was the remnants of the the Concord Dawn uh, group, mm-hmm. but uh, I think you know. I don't think we actually ever got like confirmation confirmation on screen so so now hearing her say that their their sect was on concordia mm-hmm. um you know we got that confirmation basically that they were death watch
0: right, right, yeah, we've kind of assumed it, but that was that was pretty clear um I was sort of surprised, I think well, maybe not surprised, but i i I actually didn't expect Din to still have the Darksaber at this point. I sort of expected him and Bo-Katan to have some sort of a a reckoning before we saw what happened to Din afterwards. So I I don't know. I guess I suspect that that's still coming in probably season three of, of The Mandalorian. But,
3: but yeah, it was, well, What's weird to me... Oh, sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to say that I was surprised that he actually wanted it. Like, yeah, that he was willing to fight for to keep it.
3: Yeah, because he kept you know trying to do everything to give it back. You know, now I yield. Here you go. But see, that's, I'm still confused about that, because it, I wonder if she's feeling guilty in the wake of the purge. No doubt being aware of at least probably not agreeing maybe at first, but being aware of that, you know, prophecy, whoever's giving these prophecies. But that. <laughs> uh I love that right. kind of thing. It is said. It has been foretold. I'm like, who? Who's, who's doing this? You know, right. you know, like Frank told me last week. like <laughs> Who's Frank? No, but um, so there's, there's clearly some kind of culture of this, you know, these prophecies, whether you accept them or not. And I don't know, the way she told that story, you know, and she, I love how dispassionate Emily followers is with that, right? <laughs> the whole, like, you know, she's just like, Bo-Katan is a cautionary tale. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> okay. But, but well, my point being like, mean, Bokatan no doubt is aware at least that there's this notion out there
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> that
3: the whole thing is her fault because of a curse because she wielded the the dark saber unworthily. So I wonder if, if if is that enough like is that alone sort of enough to kind of make sense of her reaction at the end of season 2 like I'm not going to take it back twice like I will win mm-hmm. this thing back the way it's supposed to be won. I wonder I mean I I feel like that would be satisfactory enough, you know kind of retconning, not retconning it, but retroactively, sort of, in my mind. Um, But it's interesting to me, though, that, that like, he didn't, you know, we know, like, you don't have to kill someone Mm -hmm. to get it. You have to defeat them, Mm -hmm. you know? And if Mando had quit, instead of, like, really getting up and stabbing Paz some more, (laughs) you know, like, really (laughs) fighting it through a little bit more, I mean, it would have been Paz's there. So, um yeah, why wouldn't they just have, like, okay, let's have a fight and bloody my nose and then you win it, like, then it's official. Mm. So, it de- yeah, definitely, it's not as extreme as it as they could have made it, right? Like, you have to kill the person to take it back. If that was the rule, I feel like there'd be a lot more, like, oh, okay, that's why. It's it's more awkward or more challenging, so I'm still wondering about that. I'm sure we'll see where they're going with it.
0: Well, and even even the armor and Pasvizla don't don't think that killing is necessary for that to be one because even Paz right. is like disappointed that that didn't didn't kill Moff Gideon, but that didn't negate his ownership of, of the dark saber for him. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and they let him leave with it, but we'll, I mean, <laughs> right. That was a little surprising too. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I was surprised that, that they didn't, uh, din and Bo did didn't have a, a reckoning right, right there. You know, post credits of season two, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of we'll see where we're we'll see where that goes. Um, and I mean,
3: the, I'm sorry, can I, can I just yeah, throw one more funny yeah. thing? Because I'm just thinking because it was so dramatic, you know, how season two ended. And it, it is funny to imagine, like, what happens right after Luke leaves. You know, and they're all standing there in Din's helmet's off. <laughs> right. I, I almost imagine this, like, Avengers, like, shawarma? You know, like, some shwarma. like I, I don't know what it is, but I hear it's great. You know, like, they're all like, do they do they go somewhere and eat, you know, down to the dining hall and the the Star Destroyer or the cruiser? Like, where? it's just right. funny to imagine that. Because that, that was, there, there were some things that needed to happen before they all split, and they all came in the same ship. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, kind of awkward. <laughs> Well, and, and I want to point out, too, that, I
0: mean, so, so we're we're also now seeing we're seeing that whole situation through the eyes of the Armorer and Paz Wiesel, who we've already talked about how they're kind of one of the they're on the extreme, you know, and they're mm-hmm. they're not mainstream Mandalorian. And and I mean, it's I think it's easy to kind of like fall into their point of view and say, oh, yeah, well, that's that's Bo-Katan, you know. Uh, didn't didn't win the dark saber by combat, and that's an explanation for what happened and i'm I'm nervous though to give that entirely like <laughs> the that that is the answer because uh you know because that that falls into the realm then of of superstition and like you know giving too much kind of spiritual power to the dark saber when i i guess coming at it from kind of a more balanced perspective you know I don't, I don't, I don't think it quite has that power, even if it was, you know, Mm. there's the prophecies and, and, and everything and, uh, you know, and that's all part of it. I, I still, I think fall in Bo-Katan's kind of, uh, camp, if you will, in that when she, when she received the dark saber as a gift from Sabine, you know, she wasn't concerned about the fact that she didn't win it by, by combat. You know, she was, she was taking it to lead Mandalore. And then I I think I'm of the opinion that then it was just a series of unfortunate events and the, the, the empire, you know, uh, crushing Mandalore that that's the reason why it was
2: destroyed. Not, not Bo-Katan's unworthiness. Although I think that, I think that's why they emphasize the, the whole, like, uh, have you taken off your, your mask thing? It's like, they're really showing that these are like very, Emphasizing that these are like cult-like Mandalorians, like mm-hmm. they they adhere to this specific code, like this specific sect of Mandalorians, and obviously that was something that Din struggled with, um, and uh, and you see, obviously, be, you know, because of you know a c- couple times we see Din take his mask off, um, and then especially the last time uh, for Grogu, you know, I think he he's living in that. He's still living in that gray area of mm-hmm. of whether like how much of this Mandalorian, you know, tradition and, uh, you know, belief system does he buy into? And and I and I think that, you know, that that's probably part of the reason why he's he's keeping the Darksaber or motivating himself to keep it and not let it go so quickly is that he's still trying to figure out, well, if I'm not the right person, I'm not so sure that this person or that person might be the right person because you know, maybe they're just a crazy ideologue or, you know, someone who's like Bo-Katan, who's just you know, vengeful. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think he has a lot of reasons, you know, to keep it now. And and I think he's thinking about that. And then obviously that's probably going to be a big plot point uh, and and s- storyline wise for Mandalorian season three. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And I, and before, before we jump to the next part of the, Uh, the episode the whole flashback to the the siege of mandalore that was totally terminator to judgment day rip off i mean or influence (laughs) like it was it was totally like like i would love to see like a behind the scenes interview with uh with bryce dallas howard you know to 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 hear her say that she's like yeah this is totally terminator influenced like it was it was straight out of that movie and it was really cool i mean it was very brief scenes uh very very brief
3: flashback but it looked really cool i think that's Did you guys i think Oh, I was just going to say, this, this is the second uh, show in a row for and I've mentioned the pitch meeting guy, but, you know, there's a one <laughs> yeah. where he's he says something. He like, it'll be like an homage. And the producer's like, what's an homage? He goes, that's where you hit Control-C on your computer and then control <laughs> No, but they, yeah, that was totally the vibe I was getting off it. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, I
1: was going to ask about Din's um, faith kind of journey because, you know, he he was... I guess a child in a different tradition. And then he was adopted by this particular tradition and he was raised with these creeds and rituals and so forth. Um, But then with his journey with Grogu, we saw that he, his kind of faith sort of was shaken in a way because he made a decision to go against the faith that he was raised in um, to a certain extent. And, um, now, you know, that they have basically, you know, just kind of cast him aside and called him an apostate. And even though he was like, well, you know, how can I atone? Mm Yeah. I think he's still, he's still kind of figuring things out because I don't think he regrets taking his helmet off. And just like you were saying, you know, Andrew, he, he has these reasons probably for, keeping the dark saber himself and wanting to, to keep it rather than give it to one of the other kind of parties that he's been encountering. Um, So I just find it interesting just from like a faith perspective to consider like, you know, how, what he, what he's going through because a lot of people go through that in their life, you know, um, for one reason or another. And usually it's something just very small uh, in the grand scheme of things that sort of, makes you question you know what you've been raised with or whatever so
0: yeah one one of the things that that kind of comes to to my mind is you know and that's why i what i one of the things that i love about being catholic is that we we encourage the asking of the question of why like why do we believe you know x y or z about the faith and there's always a a rational um, explanation, um, or there's history or tradition or, you know, even, you know, going back to scripture. Um, but it's, but it's never, the faith is never presented as a, you have to accept this, no questions asked. And, you know, with, with the covert here, the, the, the children of the watch, uh, you know, one of the things like with, with the, have you ever removed your helmet, you know, there there's not really a good explanation of why that's so necessary not to remove their helmets. Their I have helmets. an
1: explanation, Do you, okay. possibly. Okay, so <laughs> this is my theory, <laughs> okay. um, and it's related to, like, world religions. So when he asks how he can atone, she t- the armorer says that the only way that you could be redeemed is by going to the living waters under the mines of uh, Moria (laughs) Mandalore. Wrong podcast. Um, But so she says living waters, and that reminded me of the Jewish uh, tradition of the ritual bath, the mikveh. And um, so that you go through that, that's still actually used by Jews nowadays or Orthodox Jews, especially in regards to like pregnancy or a woman's cycle today. But um, but I, I've actually heard a, a Jewish uh, Orthodox person like describe the reason behind the, the reason for taking a re- ritualistic bath. We know that it's because you're ritualistically unclean, but he explained that the reason you become ritualistically unclean is because you have some kind of um, encounter with something that's related to death. So like blood or like a dead body or something Mm -hmm. like that. And um, so when you think about the Mandalorians, then if you remove your helmet, there's a greater chance that you will die. And when they talk about the way in this particular episode, they talk about how the way means loyalty and solidarity. So when you put those things together, I think you can kind of understand like how they would get to the point of. You have to keep your helmet on, especially if they started off as a very small group and and you wanted to continue to, you know, survive the the group, the children of the watch. So that's kind of my theory right now.
0: That that is a very, uh very good way to explain it. I'm going to I'm going to push back a little bit, at least because sure. um <laughs> this is this is how I think probably Din is processing that. Because I think it's it you make you make some really good points if you if you remove your helmet, you are vulnerable, and yeah it and and it puts you in in closer proximity of death for sure, but they the even the the covert, their loyalty and solidarity are key aspects of the creed, and I would argue that you can't fully have that solidarity, that relationship with the mask on. Mm-hmm. And and we see Din have to struggle with that, you know, in um, the first season when he's, um, and I am blanking on the 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 lady's name when they're on the the planet, um, and he's he's helping them. The see the other
1: a, Bryce Dallas Howard episode. Yeah, yeah, it is, right. it is. Yeah, yeah, they're they're
0: um, he's helping them train them to fight against the Clatuanians. Also, are in that mm-hmm. episode? Maybe. <laughs> Bryce must like all uh,
1: coming together, <laughs> like like the Clatoonians.
0: But you know, and and the the lady that he's interacting with, she she wants to remove his helmet, and she he doesn't let her. But he s- continues to struggle with that, and then ultimately removes his helmet um, to save Grogu. But then in the finale, he removes his helmet when there is no threat in order to mm-hmm. bond with Grogu. Right. So you know, I would kind of push back against that. That the the, the helmet is a is actually a, a barrier to. Um, authentic solidarity. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think maybe that's what, what Din is struggling with and, and why, yeah, I don't think that he uh, regretted what he did at all. Um, I think he, he doesn't want to be kind of cast out and, and is definitely willing to, to go through a, a, a redemption process if it were possible. And it still may be possible. Uh, we know that Mandalore was destroyed, but but there still might be a way for him to kind of uh, be redeemed in their eyes, or he's gonna find this kind of third way between the the Armorer and Paz's uh, child, children of the Watch group and Bocatan. He's gonna kind of unite in a in a third option. Yeah, I think that that's definitely where season three is going.
1: Can I just add one more funny thing? Well, I found it funny. So when the Armorer she <clears throat> says. Um that there are like tales of a mythosaur like rising up for the new, you know, whatever of age of Mandalore or something. And then she goes, sadly, it only exists in legends. <laughs> and I was like, but yes, it yeah. only exists in legends.
3: Yeah. I, I <laughs> didn't think that, that was too. necessarily as, <laughs> as on the nose as in the new matrix movie where they're just <laughs> flat out are like, you know, we're being forced to make a fourth installment of something that had a trilogy. And I'm like, are they allowed to do this at the <laughs> of this movie I was like yikes. That I'm this my, movie was, yeah i'm was pulling my collar back to the theater <laughs> <laughs> ouch that's like, you know it's like like when when friends of yours who used to date are having a passive aggressive fight <laughs> in your presence and you're like eh, i don't want to be here for this right now man that's like oh <laughs> uh,
0: yeah so uh a couple other things to just highlight about the, the those scenes um, we we get a little bit of um, story on what happens with Moff Gideon in that he uh, was sent to the New Republic for interrogation and I put in my notes that means he will be back yes <laughs> I mean, he he didn't go off to, to be executed so he's and I and I think even uh, the actor has said he's he's gonna be back in future mm, yeah. seasons um, we also get before Din is is cast out and called an apostate. We have some really uh, cool f- scenes that happen because he's got the the Beskar spear um, that that he that he got, and um, and Beskar is apparently meant for armor, not weapons. Which I thought that that was an interesting comment too, because weapons are such a key aspect of Mandalorian religion. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Beskar has a very um, highly uh, kind of it's, it's highly prized. And it's like it's, sacred, right? Yep, yep. So they they use it for for armor instead of weapons. And Din has the armor forge that spear into a gift for Grogu, which mm-hmm. was which was really really touching. Um, I've seen <laughs> I've seen memes on the internet already of of like putting Grogu in like chainmail. So that's, that's yeah. kind of what I'm expecting it is, because <laughs> that's sort of what they imply
3: yeah. that, it, that it might be. Myth real. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Grogu even rhymes with Frodo, <laughs> right. sort of, so.
0: <laughs> and back on the Secrets of Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and even the, the cloth that it was wrapped in, um, we, we see kind of later that it's even <sighs> shaped like yeah. Grogu. So mm-hmm. so some... that was so fun. That was cute. <laughs> very 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 touching moments. Uh we also get the 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 battle between uh Pause and Din uh which was uh again sort of it didn't go where I expected and then um I <laughs> I actually kind of expected Paz to, to totally overpower Din. Mhm but there's an interesting thing there of just the 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 weight of the dark saber and um mm-hmm. and and that that totally plays a role because even as din is training with the armorer she keeps telling him to not fight against the blade and we see a, an echo of that too in when, when when Kanan is trying to train sabine in in wielding the dark saber and fighting with the dark saber so yeah. the the dark saber is obviously uh quite a bit heavier and, and more
3: unwieldy than, than you might think. Well, it's a little in there's maybe a little bit, if you pick it apart too much, as far as like uh, overall star Wars lore, there's some inconsistency with this, but you know, cause like when Luke first ignites uh, Anakin's lightsaber in uh, a new hope, like he's just kind of uh, nah, nah, like waving it around, no big deal. But there a couple people have pointed out that, you know, Lucas very sort of vocally had this, this, this vision, this notion and kind of his overall guidance, I guess, for the actors that he really did want him to hold it with two hands. He said, mm-hmm. "It's like this is this this weapon that's like just power and light and energy, and it, and we want to get that across this this visual of like these being these heavy, like almost broadsword type weapons." And and that does hold up for I think more in the old tr- or the original trilogy. I mean, everyone's just whipping them all over the place in the prequels, which is awesome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. But um, you know, and and um. But yeah, so it's not like a perfect kind of thing. But I wonder if that, in my mind, that might lend itself to it. Because also the people you see with them through most of Star Wars are Jedi who have a significant amount of training and force sensitivity. And Mando's just a dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's this idea of like, I like the kind of awkward, and Paz too, like the awkwardness of this weapon that, in in a sense, doesn't really belong in their world. You know, like the mere existence of it is kind of. Strange, right, and unique, obviously because of the Mandalorians' tradition of being not exactly friendly with the Jedi. You know, so that's a, just a really cool area to to explore. Anything about that, I think.
0: Well, and and the the original Mandalorian uh, who uh, forged it, Tar Tarvis Visa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, or Tor Tar or something tar, like that. Yeah. T a r r e I think is how you spell it. But he was a Jedi and Mandalorian, so he would mm-hmm. have had the the training and the, the the force sensitivity and and everything to to wield it in a in a perhaps more elegant manner than yeah. uh, than our contemporaries. I
1: sure
0: hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, I, <laughs> for his thighs' sake. It, <laughs> Well, it's a good thing that they have Beskar armor, but apparently, yeah, he needs better better uh, thigh thigh plates uh with
3: <laughs> with his armor. And yet Yoda never cut his ear off. You know? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> like how?
0: Yeah, so so even at the end of that battle, Din is able to well, and and that was the key point is once once Paz was able to pick up the dark saber. And once he tried to use it against Din, Din was able to defeat him with his dexterity and agility, Um, you know, and, and so he was still able to to win the battle and then keep keep the dark saber. And then and then, of course, that's at the point when we we find out that he's been excommunicated from from the covert. And and so so Din just leaves. So um, I kind of expect we'll see the armor and pause again, but uh, probably not for a while. But uh, he he leaves and I actually had no idea where he was going, but he we have this really fun scene of Din going on a commercial flight. Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Going on going on a commercial flight to Tatooine.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) But of course, he sets off all the metal detectors and the weapons detectors, and has to
2: has to check all of his weapons. I know everything that's in here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. What was your guys What was your guy's favorite? Because <laughs> mine in was totally the the yeah, mine was totally like the like the um oh, what's it called like the um like the cord. I can't the think of the name of it now that you know like what he ties him yeah, the up the with yeah yeah the cable. That's it. You know, he's just like. Sh- like just just so just dumping it out in a little spool like that was
0: so great i don't know i was surprised that it made it to tatooine and didn't get like you know lost yeah i thought something <laughs> was <laughs> going <laughs> wrong <Yeah. right? laughs> but then poor poor din i mean you could just you could feel the awkwardness of him like just sitting there in the in the window seat you know, and then the the Rhodian kid like looking at him over the seat in front of him and you know, just yeah, very, very relatable, I think, to, to to all of us.
1: And I think that was important for this episode that there was like slice of life kind of, so we get a sense of like how normal people live now mm-hmm. after the Empire and everything. Um and I guess they kind of maybe they converted some of these like really large Starships into just enormous commercial flight vehicles, so yeah, it was really, really cool i I really liked it um besides just the the comedy and everything um it kind of put din in i guess like it, it took him outside of his arena, you know of like being the bounty hunter and being in charge and you know just to kind of see him be relatable i guess mm
0: mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important to like like you said, to just kind of understand how the average person is living in this galaxy, because the average person is more than likely not going to be able to own their own spaceship. And so the commercial flight is, you know, way more common than we mentally think of, because all, all the heroes and everything have their own ship or the Millennium Falcon or whatever. And and so this was. This was fun to just yeah see see what what your typical Rodian family is going to um <laughs> <laughs> go on vacation to the sands of Tatooine I guess <laughs> Uh so he he goes to Tatooine and we have the wonderful uh second half of this this episode with with Pelly who I I again I was surprised I didn't think that she was coming back And she was such such a joy to have uh, in this part of the episode. Uh, Apparently, she had sent Din a message saying that she had found a replacement for his razor crest, but wasn't a razor crest replacement. It was a replacement for it, but wasn't um, an actual razor crest like he was expecting and so we we get some some really cool Easter eggs and and references galore here, you know, so we we've got the the we we see uh at least kind of the shadow of a of a womp rat on screen for the first time huge mm-hmm. yeah, oh, it's
1: so scary <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think at one point Luke mentions that they can get up to like two meters in length, so oh. yeah they're not they're not rats, they're rodents of unusual size. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> another secrets of podcast available We're We're over the that.
3: <laughs> It's a lore hub. I didn't just say even in Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> uh, but even even
0: in that scene, we've got we've got a little BD droid, and um, I yeah. I haven't I've started to play the game, but I haven't actually really gotten too much into it. But um, that droid was first introduced in the video game Jedi Fallen Order, uh, so. Yep, another connection. It's not the same droid, but it's the same kind of droid. Uh, and and Pelly's comments are just like they are. They are just too too good. Uh, yeah. She she asks where his unlikely companion is, and then makes the reference that she would have never have given him up because she could have made a ton of money on a petting zoo. Yeah, <laughs> which. Uh, I really want to see that happen at galaxy's edge. Cause I would so, <laughs> so be there. Um, but then of course the, the star of the second half is the replacement for the razor crest, the N one Starfighter from, uh, from Naboo. And uh, Mike, is, nice. Mike is holding mine up for the camera.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> From one of the, I can't go to Target or Walmart without at least perusing the aisle. You know, usually oh, yeah. all the pegs are empty, but once in a while you get a gem. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I imagine you guys were just as surprised that this was the replacement ship as I was. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. I did Absolutely. hear, somewhere along the line, I heard a, a, a rumor, no, no details, but just a rumor that, that we see this kind of ship and I, I hadn't I didn't really give it much thought but uh yeah I, like seeing it under the tarp when she yanks it off and I was just like oh my gosh like and I love the retro vibe right like the classic mm-hmm. that's just all beat up and like forty years old and <laughs> it was just so well right. done. Yeah my my initial reaction was I think very
0: comparable to Din's was like how how is this ship gonna work? Like
1: <laughs> yeah. if he's if he's a
0: bounty hunter Right. He's right. got he's got really no storage to to bring people back with or or anything except for the the droid the droid kind of pod. Um,
1: I guess you can fit a head in there.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we all know who that's really
1: for.
0: <laughs> it's right. Yeah, it's the the perfect little
3: bubble for yeah for yeah,
0: Grogu. I I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's clearly gonna probably go that way. Um. Maybe this is just going to be his his cruising ship and he'll find another uh, (laughs) another uh, gunship somewhere where he can use
3: for use for his actual work. But, you know, can he can he FedEx like I mean, can he (laughs) cryogenically freeze people and carbon freeze them and send them, like, UPS or something. I don't know how that
1: works.
3: So, it's funny
0: that you sort of made reference to uh, shipping companies, because I... So so they start to to rebuild the the Naboo Starfighter, and I... I'm calling the Jawas the Outer Rim version of Amazon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. That's right. Like, <laughs> I... I they probably don't do organic parts uh, like you were referencing, but <laughs> you just give them your wish list, and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna get it for you. Yes,
1: I love how Pelly has dated Jawa, yeah, and she's like so, so that. proud that of that. The best. <laughs> she's got all this inside knowledge now, but yeah, that's that's when you know she's a local girl for sure. Like mm-hmm. she's so <laughs> local that she's dated a Jawa. Yeah.
2: She's <laughs> never been off world. She says that, but it yeah. was
3: her little line too. She says something to the one like, oh, I'm, "I'm working on me right now." <laughs> oh like it's a, he, like he was asking about that. it. Yeah. And see,
1: that's that's the kind of thing you get when you get like a really good female director because I feel like that was just probably just thrown in. Like that's something so that a brilliant. woman could write, <laughs> yeah. and not a guy.
2: <laughs>
0: it also explains how she or why even how she learned to speak Jawa.
1: Yeah, or at least it's part of part amazing. of the whole
0: thing is yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the Jawas were were definitely one of my one of my favorite aspects of this. Um other other kind of random things to note. Uh one of the other reasons that this ship is gonna appeal to to Din is because it's pre empire, so it's off the grid. Uh there was a reference to it can jump to hyperspace without a docking ring. And so that was that was kind of a fun reference to some of the ships that you see in episode two Um, and three. I think some of them are in three, but like the Jedi starfighters needed that that docking ring to to jump to hyperspace. Um, We've got uh, the I I had to write it down. Like some of the 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 verbiage that they used was so technical (laughs) and so Star Wars and i'm mm-hmm. sure like it it had i didn't even try to try to decipher what they were saying but like you just <laughs> you go with it that's they they know what they're talking about it's ship stuff but at one point they need a cryogenic density combustion booster and did you guys recognize uh that that piece of equipment uh
1: the i well the cryogenic word was i mean familiar but not the part.
0: So so the part, it's it's like so, that that big pole. It's the same yeah. thing that Lou, Khan, and Leia were using uh, in the trash uh, compactor in episode four. When it was closing oh. in, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Yep. So uh
3: so yeah, there there's there's something I feel many. like only in Star Wars, you know, <laughs> with that kind of like it's that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's so good
0: Well it's it's like the um Oh, and I'm blanking on the name of it. The the ice cream uh, maker. Uh, the, the mm. you know... The, the Cantona. <laughs> right. Like, you just yeah. you just kind of <laughs> take a random thing and, and give yep. it a lot more Genius. importance. Uh, this was also interesting, too, because the, the Jawas aren't just scavenging from, like, wrecked ships, <laughs> but they literally <laughs> stole this off a of Pike Spice Runner while it was refueling. So yep. the Jawas
3: are courageous little little guys <laughs> um well if tuscans hadn't come across boba fett and taken him captive jawas would have killed him technically <laughs> or just <laughs> stealing his armor and leaving him for
0: dead like you know, hey you know um i totally figure that the uh that that was a little bit of foreshadowing to, to mention that the pikes the pikes are on Tatooine and they stole from the pikes i don't think that will be a plot point but it's but they're it's connecting to the fact that the pikes are running spice on, on Tatooine. I'm
1: mean, yeah, in fact, and Pelly, Pelly mentions Pelly mentions yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And this was when we got that um, sequel trilogy connection, right?
3: Mm. Mm. Okay. Do, do tell. Cause I missed this one. Yeah. And I, I gotta remember how they're pronounced here, but um, she says that it's a, uh, uh, she's talking about how fast it's going to be. And I um, just want to double check. Is it a five year? Was that father, right?
1: Faster than a father? father yeah, father. Right. Mm-hmm. It's
3: it's the uh, it's the horse things from Last Jedi. Oh.
1: It's just this will be
3: faster than one of those. Which which I kind of laughed a little bit because I'm like, I I hope so. That's a horse.
1: <laughs> yeah, you I know. felt like that was it's probably like, like your more car's like a, gonna go
3: faster than a horse. Like,
1: like a, mm. a <laughs> <no>. <laughs> just a way of speech or yeah, you know.
3: yeah. They're mm-hmm. they're lightning quick. You know, they are yeah. fast. But that was kind of that was kind of cool. Um,
0: they, they, they finish the ship and we, we get another, uh, some other cool Easter Easter eggs for, for episode one. He takes, takes the ship out for a spin and it v- follows some of the same course of the pod racer, uh, race in, in episode one. We also get to see beggars Canyon, which was, which was cool mm-hmm. to see. And then he kicks it into outer space and we get to see the Rodian kid again. So apparently their vacation was was done, and they were leaving, and and he's uh, ogling the the Naboo starfighter out the window, and then of course he gets pulled over by the New Republic patrol.
3: Like of course, yeah. Disney owns everything. They, they got to get the rights to the uh, bad boys, like you know, theme song. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> too, too real world. But every time it happens, I'm just hearing it in my head, like that. So. There there's a cool detail
2: I saw um, online. Well, when he's in Beggar's Canyon, uh, there's debris of like a guardrail. Oh. Like it's in the background of so the scene. You oh, would never notice there... it. Yeah, there's debris of a guardrail. <laughs> and <that's> just, it's <laughs> nice. the guardrail that, you know, Anakin blasted through his, <laughs> his pod cool. Yeah. I'll send you guys the, the link RAM, to the video. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty <laughs> neat. The attention to detail. Yeah, nothing gets by
0: these guys. Uh, a couple other cool points the, the uh, uh, New Republic uh, pilot. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys recognized him, but he is, uh, Max Lloyd Jones Jones. He's the body double for Luke Skywalker, uh, in mm. season two of the Mandalorian, the finale, he was the body double. And then we get, uh, Paul Sung Young Lee back, who is Captain <laughs> Carson Teva Teva. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, but, um, he was also in, in the Mandalorian as well, <laughs> being a new Republic
3: patrol. Kara Cara Dune just called him Blue, so yeah, maybe that's to make it easier. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so they they
0: uh, ultimately decide to to let him off with a warning, but then start to ask too many questions, and Din shows the speediness of of his little his new <laughs> little starfighter, and then we get the quintessential uh, <laughs> comment on how it was when he lands, and. Hearing didn't say that it was wizard was, like I said, was was awesome, but so
3: appropriate. You could feel him rolling his eyes, though, too. Like, it's clearly like, you know, kind of teasing, like an old fashioned hip saying, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I mean, and, and he would have he would have been. Uh, he would have been a kid at that time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when when that was uh, one of the cool things to say. And then, of course, being the <laughs> Naboo starfighter, being retro itself, yeah, it it <laughs> it fits. And then we get the uh, the the f- kind of the final moments of the episode when when Fennec Shand shows up, which um, I was I was expecting that. I mean, you know, I think with with the previous chapter of the Book of Boba Fett it was sort of implied that that mm-hmm. din was going to be some of the muscle that was hired so we get we get din offering to help boba fett on the house because of of his uh because of boba fett's uh helping him rescue grogu back in in the previous season of of the mandalorian so we have two episodes left of the Book of Boba Fett, so I, I, I'm expecting them to focus heavily now on this war with the Pikes and the... He the, does the say, aftermath. remember, he does say he
2: has to visit a little friend first. Well,
0: so, that, so that's a question that, that I would, yeah, throw to you <laughs> I mean, guys. That's what
3: I wanted to talk about, yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, I, Mike um, what do you think? I, well, uh, so I, I think, this is just my guess, I, I think that we are going to see Mando again and I think I think Grogu will be with him, and it'll be some big twist that'll matter for the plot. But we won't get the full sort of fill-in-the-blank backstory of what happened and why he's back with him until Season 3 of Mando. I think that's a neat way mm-hmm. to build up anticipation for it. Because I, I personally, I think they're very clearly, like, with all the talk, you know, with him in the armor about attachment, you know, and how that's eschewed by Jedi. And it's like, it's as, I feel like it's as true for Grogu as it is for him. And I, I think we're going to find that Luke can't really train him. You know, mm-hmm. he taught him some things, maybe, but it's not really his path after all. Because we all want that, first of all, and they know that. <laughs> and I keep saying this. I've been saying this from the beginning. There is no way that he is a casualty of Kylo Ren's, like, rampage. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, there's right. no way. No. And they, de- his species develops slower, so he would, in theory, again, still be like a little kid. At that point, like a youngling, you know, so I, I just they would never do that in a million. They're not going to kill the cash cow <laughs> <laughs> just on a practical level. But in, in, tr- in the, the story, it, it wouldn't make sense for the story. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're seeing a clear something big is moving in the direction of what's going on with the Mandalorians and getting their planet back. And I I think Grogu's a Mandalorian foundling, you know, I think that's his path. That's my guess. So maybe
0: he'll be like Tarvisla, where he's a. Mandalorian Jedi, Jedi both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I I have to agree with that. I I I guess I'm I wasn't expecting I'm not, I I'm not expecting Grogu to show up in the next episode with Mando, but uh, actually what you said totally makes sense. I I expect we'll see the reunion between Grogu and
2: Din in Mandalorian season 3, not uh these next two episodes. Yeah, it's it's hard. I I I thought about this a lot and you know, I, I think if there's these shows and, and Favreau and Filoni have, have proved anything is that when they tease something at the end of an episode, you're going to see it in the next episode. It's, and it's going to be all up in your face. Uh, <laughs> so I, I am still leaning towards that. We see both of them. Um If, if we don't end up seeing Grogu, I, I I would imagine it would be a situation where, um, something is preventing Din from seeing him, mm-hmm. Um, and he has to, and he'll have to take a detour and then it'll just be a big tease. Maybe there'll be some sort of like, uh, confirmation that he's doing okay and w- which is good enough for, for Din. Um, mm-hmm. but if, if we don't end up seeing Grogu on screen, I think it'll be a situation where, uh, it's like, okay, I'll try to see him next time. Uh, I mean, that's my guess. I don't I don't imagine that they end the episode with such a big tease like that and not not let us see it through. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But I do think they'll 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 focus more on the Boba Fett side of the story quicker um, and 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 kind of resolve the the Mando part of it, uh, you know, in the beginning.
1: I'm in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i yeah I, I i definitely concede to both of the both yeah. of those viewpoints um and i'm hoping that we don't get too much more of din's story in the book of boba fett just because yeah. it is boba's you know book <laughs> um and i'm hoping for a very big ending to this um season mm-hmm uh so i'm wondering how like what other people is he going to have on his side in terms of muscle you know quote unquote to fight this war against the pikes um cuz i do want to see more of that um but i mean i i would love to see like a young kylo ren too you like you know that that would be cool so i'm up for a lot of things <laughs> right now
0: well and maybe we're going to see I know that this has been a, a potential and, and uh, a hope even is Fennec has met Omega before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So perhaps right. Omega will be another form of muscle that is able to be drawn in. Um, I mean, because the, at least with the other seasons, there's always been kind of those surprise moments later on in the season. And with, with two episodes left, I I expect them to do something that is, That is awesome and big and 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 bringing in Omega
3: could be a a really a really fun way to to accomplish that. Well, we know she was an excellent shot 30 years ago at this point, Mm -hmm. so she's probably a lot better now.
1: (laughs) Wow. That would look so cool on live action. Her weapon.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 bow and arrow, the the arrow, bow and arrow, whatever, whatever that the (laughs) she'll she'll be live action at some point for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and and we've still got season two of uh, the Bad Batch coming too, so mm-hmm. we'll 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 get to see more of her there um, if she doesn't show up in in the book of Boba Fett. But uh, yeah, there's still there's still time left, so we'll we'll see. Um, any other thoughts on the episode as a whole before we wrap things up?
1: Oh, the music was amazing. It was such mm. a treat to hear. Yeah. Both shows um, themes come together and be woven so beautifully together by uh, Ludovic Goranson. So mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the just music by itself uh, whenever it gets released. Um, I'll probably listen to it a lot. It was great.
3: I I firmly believe with this opportunity that Favreau and, and I'd say especially Filoni because of his connection to the lore. Um the Mandalore, sorry, I had to do it. And uh <laughs> sure. the uh and the community, right? 'Cause you know, he's his connection to that the community of the Mandalorian fans, you know. Um I don't believe for a second that that the team and, and Favreau with working with him is going to leave Boba Fett as a crime lord on Tatooine. I just I don't think that's the end of this. I, I think this is all a stepping stone to him getting because you know he's he's a leader. He's he he wants to be this father figure, you know, this connection with his father. But but he's different. You know, and has sort of a. I think he's he's playing it close to the chest, and he's he's trying to be all humble and everything. But I think he's meant for more, and I think he's going to be the Mandalor. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think you tease. You know, the the connection to the holiday special dinosaur thing. You know, <laughs> and and the rancor, and and then you. have Oh yeah, and by the way, there's a prophecy that a mythosaur will rise, and I'm like, come on, <laughs> like this is because what would possibly make like you said at the beginning, Father? That's what I was you know, just going to mention. Is just for everybody that's been sharpshooting the show from the get go. I'm like, guys, l- let's watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's. <laughs> I mean, jeez. I mean, it's just, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm excited. There's a couple, bunch of ways they could take it that would really make me happy, but I think that would be the the most ambitious and the make the most sense in a lot of ways because I don't it's not going to be Din that's not his personality uh, I think he wants to be reunited with his little buddy and go on bounty hunter adventures <laughs> and I want to watch as many seasons of that show as they'll make you know everybody does so that's yeah that's just my guess right now we'll see <laughs>
0: yeah um, I've, I've I've I think that uh, Boba Fett has been very clearly angling towards a family kind of relationship you know, he had that with the Tuscans and mm-hmm. they were they were killed, but I'm still not convinced that all of them were killed. But but yeah. I think Bib was behind it, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Because <laughs> that would explain a lot. It, you know. it would. It would. Uh but yeah, to, to see him sort of as Mandalore as kind of the head of a family would 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 mm-hmm. totally fit his his personality. Um, yeah,
3: I'm, I'm, what was his line? You can only get so, so far without a tribe. Didn't he say that? Yeah. The tribe isn't because that's the Mandalorians are very tribal, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. So I, I really hope that these next two episodes are just, um, stellar. You know, I, I, I want, I want the book of Boba Fett to stand on its own without needing din to sort of, you know, kind of make it acceptable by the fan community. Um, even right. though that's that that's not really why you you want to appease the fans, but you don't want to just bow to the fans' wishes either. I mean, you want to tell a good story, so I'm I'm hoping that yeah. these next two episodes are just you know really, and I and I trust Favreau and Filoni, so I mm-hmm. I do not doubt this to to happen at all. Uh, but I want it to be very clearly, you know, Boba Fett as as the main going forward for these these next two episodes. So I think uh, that is all that we have time for this evening so um, listeners of course we want to hear your thoughts on chapter 5 of the book of Boba Fett and you can let us know your thoughts in in various ways you can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com you can comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquest media or you can tweet at us and we are at we are on Twitter at sqpn And so now, as always, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Star Wars, including Jacob D., Jason D., Josh P., Leslie H., and Jeff V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the show. You can find us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just be sure to click that bell to get notifications of new episodes. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash star wars. And we will be back next week as we will take a deeper look into chapter six of the Book of Boba Fett. So until next time, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. Angela Cialana, thanks for joining us this evening.
1: Thanks. It was great.
0: And Andrew Hermes, thanks for joining us as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on
1: StarQuest.